Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities, and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, beautiful moment. Thank you because as we share the word, it's going to go out unhindered and uninterrupted. And thank you because it's going to bear much fruit, 50-fold, uh, 60-fold, 1,000-fold. That everyone that hears this word and the seed that's planted in them is going to have fruit um, that has come out of it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So, just some ground rules when I, when I preach, you do like some responding, some shouting, so I know people are there. But, but not too much that then you miss the point. <laughs> uh, there's a scripture in, in 1 Timothy. I want to start around there. In 1 Timothy 4, I actually gave, gave you the scripture. Yeah, that's the one. Um, in verse 12, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. And now this is the thing I want to focus on. It says that meditate on these things, Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Now, there's another one in, that's, that's 1 Timothy, there's another one in 2 Timothy 3.15. It says, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, what's happening in this moment is that thing that is going to, ha to cause you to have progress that is evident, right? Here he's saying that the scriptures that you know are the ones that are able to make you wise unto salvation. Now, salvation is a whole package of things. In salvation, there is health. In salvation, there is wealth. In salvation, there is wisdom. In salvation, there is forgiveness. There is liberty. There is freedom. What, what is it? Name. Name it. There is joy. There is love. There is peace. There is hope. Now we are naming all the fruits of the Spirit, but all these things are in salvation, all the sisters in the Lord, joy, peace, mercy, <laughs> patience, yeah, Barbara, <laughs> yeah, Barbara is there, by the way, when you're, when you're speaking in tongues, how many of you are speaking in tongues? Yeah, some people, when they started, this is how they prayed, Barbara, 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 she came on a Honda, <laughs> okay, that's cool. All these things are in salvation. And, and this is Paul telling Timothy that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation. Now, there's another scripture, that one I didn't give here, but in, where Jesus says that, that wisdom is justified by her children. In other words, the evidence of wisdom is the results that you carry, Right? So when he's saying that the scriptures are able to make you wiser unto salvation, he is saying that the scriptures are the key that you need to have evidence of all the things that God has released for you in salvation. 
Yeah. That, 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 that peace that you need is in the scriptures. The joy that you need is in the scriptures. The wealth that you need is in the scriptures. The wisdom you need is in the scriptures. That it does not matter what place you are at in life, young or old or, or broken or mended or whatever, whatever place you're at, when you get a hold of the scripture, they are able to make you wise unto salvation in that moment. That if you're, you're, you're sick in your body, when you get a hold of a scripture and say, by his stripes I was healed, that scripture is able to make you wise unto salvation, that you get the evidence and the result of healing in your body. Oh yeah. Yeah. When you say that he who knew no sin was made sin for me, that through him we may become the righteousness of God, then that scripture causes you to have that evidence. And that's why Paul tells Timothy in the other scripture I read first, that meditate on these things and give yourself wholly to them, that your evidence, I mean that your progress may be evident to all. Are you understanding? So as the word is being shared, I want you to understand that what you're receiving are keys for your progress. Yeah. They are keys for your success. They are keys for your excellence. And because it's a whole one hour, probably, 40 minutes, 49, 47, 45, 43. <laughs> I was trying to count the seconds. Teaching, there is going to be quite a number of things that come through. And for someone here, you'll pick up just one thing. And that thing will have the capacity to change your life forever. Yes. Yes. That you were sickly. But then you had a thing in the sermon. And that was the end of it. You have never been sick again. You've never left school for a sickness. Yeah. Yeah. That you were always broke. But you had a thing. And that was it. You have never been broke again. Yeah, that you never understood things that were being taught in class, but after you had that word, that was the end of not understanding. Are you getting me? So, today's message, interestingly, is not like the, the broomstick of Jehu or like those other things that people think, like, that's deep. This is the foundation of the keys that you need. Yes, it's the foundation of the salvation that you've received. Are you with me? It's the foundation that when you understand it, everything else falls in place. Hmm? The message is called Banangi. You guys, I walk a lot. It's because of the shoes. Why has no one commented on these cool shoes? <laughs> what I'm going to read for you is no, that someone, the title of this today's someone is Loved Regardless. Yeah. Loved Regardless. It's in the love of God. Hmm. I'll just use a scripture. Another one in Romans. It says that they that have received Romans 5 17, or is it 21? They that have 17, that they that have received the abundance of grace and the gift. Uh -huh. let, me, let, me, let me just read it from here. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, read love there, 
will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Think about your life. Think about the experiences you've had. Does it count as reigning? I am about to change your mindset and you're going to see yourself reigning. Yeah, that is what I can... That's my assignment today. That's my assignment today. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Give me Romans 5, 6. Hmm. Eh, it's coming. 5, 6. That's the one. Let's read it together. It says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I told you this is the foundation um, of your salvation experience. Much of what usually fails us as Christians is that we, we tend to think, actually not even just Christians, but everybody, is that we tend to think um, <laughs> that to experience anything of God, that to receive any peace from God, we have to be behaving a certain way, be acting a certain way, be living a certain way. By certain way, I mean like very well, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Mother Teresa. Yeah, yeah, like you're just, when they look at you, they're like, oh, they have never seen you over, tell a lie, how do you tell a lie over, steal over, do what? So you think that that is what qualifies you, right? But in this scripture, Jesus is showing us the qualifier, the thing that qualifies us for his love, the thing that qualifies us for his salvation. You probably will be surprised. He says that when we were still without strength. Have you ever heard of that, that phrase, God helps those who help themselves? Scratch it out of your mind? Yeah, it's a lie. He's saying that when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Your qualifier for Christ coming to die for you was that you couldn't do it yourself. You were without strength. Yeah. Your ungodliness is what qualified you. Please notice that he's saying that Christ died. Not that he will die. He is not dying. He died. That means Christian or not Christian, believer or unbeliever, Christ died for you. Because we all fell in the category of ungodly. Yeah. All of us, when we are born into this world, we are born sinners. We are born undesirable. Yeah, regardless of whether you're born into a wealthy family, the scripture says that our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We are really born undesirable. We are born dead, technically. Yeah, because after, I'm trying to make sure I don't get complicated. Because <laughs> after Adam sinned, his sin now became part of the nature of man. Meaning that for anyone that is born in earth, they are born already sinners. We are born already ungodly, unpleasing, just bad smell. And That's why if you don't bathe, you smell bad. It's just a sin thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you brush your teeth in the morning and you keep your mouth closed for the whole day, by 1 p.m., decay has happened. Yeah, because the world is in a state of constant decay because of that sin. 
So we were born ungodly. It's evident in even the natural world. You understand? It does not matter how rich a person is. If they don't bathe, they will smell. They don't have a natural good smell. It's just evidence of the state of their heart. Um, <clears throat> these are the people Jesus died for. It is us. Do you understand? That while we were yet without strength, while we were still without strength, Jesus died. While we were helpless, Jesus died. While we were failing, Jesus died for thee, ungodly. Your ungodliness qualified you. Your sin qualified you for his death and his resurrection. That even the person who has not believed and has not come to the place of, okay, I've accepted Jesus, they are also qualified for this. It's that he already died for you. And his forgiveness was already made available for you. Do you know that people who go to hell today are not going there because they are ungodly? They are going there because they have not believed on this. Do you understand? Because he already died for the ungodly. He already died for those that were without strength to help themselves. He already gave his life for those who could not buy all the things that they do with themselves. They, they could not save themselves. It's for the ungodly. It's for you. That's what qualified you. Let's go to the next verse. I think I'm preaching good. I've started so well. Just I'll keep dancing because it's YXP. These things, you don't find them in others. <laughs> Just I'll go a bit deep into this. He says that for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare die. He's just explaining a little bit of what Jesus did. That naturally, when we are going to make sacrifices, we make them for good people. Do you understand? Yeah, naturally. If, you, if you're ever going to make any sacrifice, you make them for good people. When people create armies to fight wars. They are not dying for the bad ones, those soldiers. They are killing the bad ones. Yeah, yeah, naturally. You probably won't find, okay, maybe unless they have been brainwashed, someone dying for, let's say, Hitler because he's not alive, so he won't come for me. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, no one will, will if, if, if he was going to be Executed, no one will, will, will really come and say, execute me instead, save him. Scarcely. Yeah, scarcely. There may be some weirdos who do that, but scarcely. <laughs> for a righteous man, will wonder, yet, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Dare to die for a good man. For a good man, not for the ungodly. So when Jesus comes and he says he's dying for the ungodly, he's doing something undoable. He's doing something that you're not going to find any person doing. Do you understand? <laughs> this is the point where the preacher says, y'all praying for me? <laughs> Oscarsly do people pray for the preachers anyway. <laughs> That in his dying for you, he's doing something that is uncommon. 
you don't deserve that thing, but he does it anyway. Do you understand? So that you don't come to a place where you think that maybe it's because of how I prayed or how I did what, that now that's why I'm saved. But that you understand that people don't generally die for, good, for, for bad people. People don't generally sacrifice for bad people. They sacrifice for good ones. But Jesus sacrificed for the ungodly. Now that is love. Now that is love. <laughs> so that means that his love that he had for you started from when you were in sin, messed up, weak, unholy, and all other those weird things. That's where his love started and picked you up from there and brought you into a place of salvation, into a place of freedom. Do you understand? That even when you're here and you haven't yet even come to that place, that even in your sin, God is loving you. And his death is evidence of that. That's what we celebrate on Easter, that he died and resurrected. Even in your mess, God is loving you. In your weakness, God is loving you. In your pain, God is loving you. Do you understand? That no matter where you find yourself in life, while you were yet without strength, Christ died. You still with me? In John 15, 13, he says that greater love, yeah, let's read it together. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his own friend. And then John, 1 John 14, he says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Thank God I said that word right, propitiation. I know people who would have said propitiation, but Jesus loves me. This is love, not that you love God, right? But that he loved you and sent his son. What has saved you is not your love for God. Yes, what has redeemed you is not your love for God. The healing you receive is not because of your love for God. The favor you receive is not because of your love for God. No, it's because he loved you and sent Jesus, his son, to be the payment for your sin. Are you understanding me? In, in Romans 3.23, it talks about all we who have sinned, and, and he says that, that, give it to me, give it to me, 3.23. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't know if it's the verses before or the verse after. That talks about the wages of sin being death, but the gift of God being life. That when you had sinned, you were leading, your life was leading to death. You were tending towards death. Everything about you was tending towards death because of sin. Do you understand? So there is no way you could master love in your heart to love God. That's why he's saying that it's him that loved you and sent Jesus to 
be the payment. To be the payment to redeem you, to redeem you and I <laughs> from the thing that was tending toward death, from the sickness we would have experienced, from the heartbreaks we would have experienced, that he came, he sent Jesus to be the payment and to redeem us from that, to buy us back from that, from, from the clutch or the, the claws of death. I have to use like a first thing just to show what claws would look like. <laughs> Are you still with me? Are you understanding the things I'm saying? Take me back to Romans uh, 5, uh, 8. 8. Yeah, he says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He starts with but because before we just looked at that scarcely for a righteous man and whatever, people would dare die for a good person. But God demonstrates his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. While you were still a sinner, Jesus died. It had nothing to do with your good works. It had nothing to do with your good habits and kweisoburunji and all those cool things. It had everything to do with God's love for you. Regardless of your situation. Regardless of where you found yourself. He said God demonstrated his own love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died. That was his demonstration. That was his demonstration of his love for you. Do you understand? While you were still a sinner, that's when Jesus died. While you were still in debt, he died. You know, this is like when people start having those love, love, lovey-dovey things when, like, when you're younger, talking to like the youth. And uh, naturally, naturally, when they're just beginning, like when adolescents are just hit, and it's like so new, so new, right? <laughs> it just, no, sorry. I'm laughing because I remember the song. Just it doesn't, it doesn't qualify to be on this pulpit. <laughs> when those things have just begun, anger, your feelings, feelings. Usually, people don't see everything that's bad about it. It's usually your friends who see that that person is not good for you. They just see how the person looks, and they know. Mm-mm. you don't see it. Yeah, for you. Hey, feelings, you just go. Hey. Yeah, Mbulav is blind. <laughs> feelings are taking you everywhere. You see, it happens. I, I know that some people have experienced it, which probably one day there will be a series on how to handle your feelings. <laughs> you don't see that people are bad. It's in that side. <laughs> You don't see how bad a person is for you over what, over what. You just love them because feeling. You call it love. Do you understand? <clears throat> what am I trying to say? That normally what people do is like when you have matured a bit, is you, 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 you're probably able to see some of these weird things. Like, oh, that person is not good for me. If they can change how they dress and over put on better jeans and what, then maybe I will consider... Yeah, like the way they are dressing, they don't use Dio, so like it doesn't work for me. So you want them to first change. Yeah? Right? Jesus gives you a kiss with your bad breath. 
while you are yet sinners. <laughs> yeah, he embraces you in your worst state. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't. The person is just bad. You, can't, you wouldn't do it. But Jesus, what God does for you is kind of like that. You're in a mess. You know, I've, I've never had children. But I think, yet, no, I, I have like spiritual ones, but like the example I'm going to give may not apply, like it applies spiritually. But this is what I've had, and I think it's correct estimation. That if, I don't use apostles' children as examples. Let me see. I, I, I cannot, eh? I can, I, I should, <laughs> they will mute me. So random children, let's just assume that Gloria has it. No, but Gloria wouldn't. Pastor Kia. Let's just assume that she has a son to receive that prophetic word. <laughs> and so, one of those days, the son, she finds her son rolling in the mud, all puked on himself about what? Just looking all weird. So I'm imagining, I'm imagining that I'm trying to build this example so well, but I've understood it. <laughs> I'm imagining <laughs> that he's like, he, he, he crawled or like walked into like a pigsty. He found them like playing there with pigs and what. <laughs> I'm imagining how dirty they are playing, <laughs> playing, playing with pig food. <laughs> playing with food, just generally food. Huh. Oh, yeah, 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 you. And then, Pastor Kia, who like normally goes to check on her pigs, walked into, walks into that pig's die. And then the kid jumps out of the thing, hey, mommy. <laughs> Imagine Pastor Kia's reaction. Would it be, ew, 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 <laughs> stay away from me. <laughs> she will probably, she will probably like embrace the child from a distance while like cleaning, cleaning, co. <sighs> Coming back to Jesus, you know, <laughs> comes with sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Pastor Ruth has a, a good reaction. The child comes, and the person goes, Pakagamba, Tosanida, Mbu, Nyumba, yeah, Bu, Nira. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was I was generally a, a very well disciplined child. Did everything I was told to do. <laughs> when I was told sit there, I would sit there and read my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I 
as I wait for the next instruction. When I would get hungry, I would say, Mother, I'm famished. <laughs> That's who I was. Then this happened. <laughs> In your big sty self, Jesus embraced you. He didn't chase you. For lack of a better phrase, he didn't ew you. He embraced you. He loved you in your sin. Right? Which brings me to the next point. Take me to verse 9. Much more. Something I said at the beginning, that most times what fails us as Christians is we assume it is what we do for God that qualifies us. Jesus has done so much for you. What would you do for him? After you have understood that he died for you when you were ungodly, when you were helpless, when you were such a mess, you know, looking like you're coming from a pigsty and all these kinds of things, now that he has brought you in, why would you think that his approach would change. He still loves you. He is an unchanging God. That's why he says that much more, because now that you have come to experience and you know, have his love for you, he says, much more than having now been justified by his, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Let me try and explain it a little bit. Not, let me not let... I'm not going to try. I'm going to explain the heaven out of this scripture. <laughs> Much of our acceptance of salvation, we, we, we receive it when we hear about the part that when we were sinners, it died for us. Because even you, you know you couldn't help yourself. Until now you are a Christian, and so then you start creating all these different rules and regulations and all these things you have to do to now qualify for the love of God for you. Huh? That, let me see. Let me see what I have. Hmm. <laughs> Someone asked me. Now that I am saved, if I kill the person, will I still go to heaven? Or will I go to hell? <laughs> right? I said, first of all, as a Christian, you shouldn't be thinking about killing a person. <laughs> come to my office. Just come and you find like policemen there. This person wants to kill. No, that's not what we do. It's that when a person becomes a Christian, now they are trying to find ways to qualify for what they have already received free of charge. Like, imagine qualifying for what you already have, trying to qualify for what you already have. Do you understand? The watch is yours, but you don't want to wear it because you don't think you qualify to wear that watch. Because that day, instead of waking up at 5 a.m., you woke up at 5.15. Now you're disqualified. I can't. can't. That's, okay, that's an extreme example, but 
I'm sure by the time it came out, it helped someone. He's saying that much more now that you have been justified, you're still saved from the wrath to come. Do you understand? <laughs> Give me verse 10. Let me first read verse 10 and then we continue. He says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That you came from the extreme of when you were ungodly, he died, and then you were qualified for his death because of your ungodliness. Now that you are in him, now that you have believed, you're still qualified. Yeah. You may not have woken up to pray this morning at 5 a.m. You're still qualified. You may be the person who every Wednesday skips the fasting. You're still qualified. You may be right now lasting after your neighbor you're still qualified. Yes. Maybe someone annoyed you and you've just finished sending them a, a, a very strongly worded with curse words and, and abuses and everything and, and then suddenly you started thinking you're being condemned but you're still qualified. You forgot to read your chapter, you're 50 days behind on your Bible plan, you're still qualified. I've gone too far you're still qualified. Think about that thing that you thought disqualifies you. And then look at this scripture and realize that when you were an enemy, you qualified. Now that you have been reconciled, you still qualify. He says, as you have received him, so walk in him. If you received him in the boundaries of grace, so walk in him the same way. If you received him because he sent his son to love you while you were still messed up, so walk in him the same way. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? Do not disqualify. Yes, <laughs> I was going to say do not disqualify. Don't disqualify yourself. Remember, I started with the scripture in Timothy. And he said, let no one despise your youth. And then he gave you the way to correct that. He said, meditate in these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your progress may be evident to all. That most of the times, we keep disqualifying ourselves and condemning ourselves and picking on different things that we have not done well and all the bad things we have done. And sometimes even as a Christian, your Christian disciplines, you start picking on them to disqualify yourself and to condemn yourself. He says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Ah, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. His life, his death, his resurrection has set you free from sin and death. 
His death and resurrection has qualified you for everything that he died to give you. While you were yet a sinner, he gave himself for you. Much more now that you are reconciled to him, he still qualifies you. Right? You gotta understand the anointing. Give me First Thessalonians 5 9. <laughs> it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what I told you about salvation? It is everything uh, like peace, wealth, joy, what? Remember those things. He's saying that God did not appoint us to wrath. Wrath, that is anger and the things that it comes with. He didn't, God, let me, let me try and break it down. God did not appoint you to sickness. God did not appoint you to heartbreaks. God did not appoint you to death. God did not appoint you to lack and poverty. God did not appoint you to foolishness. God did not appoint you to wrath. He says, but to obtain. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's break it down a bit further. So that you can have some things you're going to say to yourself after you leave this place. Like we are going to personalize it. Actually, let's first read it together, personally. It says, say, don't, don't say, ah, say me. Okay, so let's read together. Two, three, go. For God did not appoint me to wrath but to obtain salvation through my Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is, I'm going to break it down so that we can have things to say when we go away from here. We are going to start putting some things there. What does wrath represent? What does salvation represent? I'll give a few examples. Then you can just do whatever applies to you. For God did not appoint you to poverty, but to obtain wealth through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. For God did not appoint you to sickness, but to obtain health through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, say that same scripture, put me and put the thing that applies to you. One, two, three, go. Yeah. I'm not hearing people speaking. I think people are like, oh, but what? What do I replace it with? What was it? You say. <laughs> For God did not appoint me to foolishness, but to obtain wisdom through our Lord Jesus Christ. For God did not appoint me to poverty, but to obtain salvation. No, to obtain wealth. You're not appointed to wrath. You understand? Now give me verse 11 as I conclude. He says, and not only that, we have talked about much more and everything. He says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we also rejoice. Think about it. This is where your joy is. That's why I've been preaching, like all dancing. What? What? Have you seen? Like I told you about the children. When he's coming out of that pigsty, all dirty. He's not even thinking the parent would slap them. They're like, eh. 
hey, they're so happy because they are confident in the love that the parent has for them. There is joy in knowing that you're accepted regardless of your state. Post that on Twitter and put your name on it. <laughs> you are accepted regardless of your state. You are accepted in the beloved. He says that we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We make our boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says through whom we, we have now received the reconciliation. And he's talking about those who have received it, that now you have joy. The saddest Christian you'll find is the one that has not received this and they are still trying to struggle, to toil, to make sure that God accepts them. They work so hard. They are doing all these things for approval and it's not working. No one is giving them any approval. It can be so sad. It can be so sad. That's, that's like that guy in, the, in, the, in Luke 15. The, after the prodigal child returned, all happy, and they had dressed him up and all those things, and then the elder son was like, I, I, <laughs> I have been serving and toiling, and you've never even given me a goat, a young goat. Couldn't even think of the big one. His toiling, his struggle made him sad. There is joy in having confidence in the love of God for you. There is joy in having confidence in the grace God has given you, in the fact that you are accepted. When you were ungodly, he loved you. Now that you have received reconciliation, he still loves you. When you were ungodly, he loved you minus your works, minus your all these things. Now that you have received him, he still loves you. And he still accepts you. And he still thinks you're good. He thinks, he thinks you're a bomb. <laughs> In Colossians 1, 21, 22, he says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his, light, in his sight. You used to be those things. You used to be, you used to be alienated. You used to be an enemy. You used to be in wicked works. But now he has reconciled you. And he, the Bible says, through death he presents you. This is the reason. The thing about he has not appointed to wrath but to obtain salvation, he says here, he presents you holy and blameless and above reproach. And above reproach. You are above reproach. Holy. Blameless. Without blemish. Paul says that I even I do not judge myself. He says I see nothing in myself. He doesn't judge himself because you have come to a place where you are above reproach. Do you understand? Do you, un you can get a hold of that word like I told you, that this is the thing that causes you to obtain salvation. You can get a hold of that word and apply it to any situation in your life and tell it I'm above reproach. When the, 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 the exam sheet comes back and you see F, you say, I am above reproach. I change this one to one A. Yeah, that's how it works. When you feel a headache or whatever, you don't say, oh, I feel sick. No, I'm above reproach. I cannot be sick. 
Yeah. Some people here, because we also have some people who are old and everything, like you get a message saying we are breaking up and you send back a message and say, I am above reproach. You cannot break up with me. It's impossible. Hey. <laughs> you tell them. You say, how? When? I'm above reproach. You lie. <laughs> Hey, call you in the office and say we are firing you from this job. You say I'm above reproach. <laughs> Not possible. My gosh. Hey. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Jokes aside, the word works, and God loves you, and because of His love, you are holy, you are blameless. You are above reproach. He has loved you in your sin. He still loves you now that you're reconciled. Amen. Amen. Ah, so good. Who has learned something? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Allow me to end here and invite right apostle to come and help us conclude and to thank him also for giving me the opportunity which really it's been wow. an awesome experience can we thank the above reproach pastor Isaac who wasn't appointed wrath but to come on, take your seats we are closing Wow. Very clear, simple message. Loved regardless. Why? Because as human beings, the one thing we struggle with the most, regardless of your age, is acceptance. Yeah? Right? At school, everyone is trying to, to hang, you know, people create these groups where you feel excluded if you don't belong. Clicks. Yeah. They're like, who is in whose clique? You're trying to fit in everywhere. It happens. In life, in families, you can be there and they're like, ah, oh, that family, what, what? Because we all struggle with acceptance. We all would wish that someone would accept us into their space. It happens at every level, whether you're young or whether you're old, at work, those who work, they are, they are things, they are groups. Yeah. And sometimes you find that you are outside the, the group. There are those guys who, and you, you are outside. You try to come in to, to listen in, and then the meeting dissolves. Yeah. Your arrival means the end of the thing. And you're thinking, hey, this is not good. Yeah, you try to join the, the choir. Then they say, we are not recruiting right now. Now, thankfully for you, we are recruiting right now. So you can join the music team and the dance team. But it's acceptance. 
And what God has done for all of us is to create an alternative space where we are accepted. Because of what Jesus has done. Because on our own merits, we cannot gain acceptance. Right? I've been trying to remember a story about I read it somewhere. There were two families. They lived next to each other. And this one family, the interesting thing is that they each had one child. So this family had one child. This family had one child. They had sons. Now, this one family, the father died. So there was left a widow with her son. And so the neighbor, the neighboring family, the, the, the man, because it was husband and, and wife, and actually this family, they, yeah, and, and her son, the husband decides to, because now the other one is a widow, to try and love on the son, you know, like if they are going to do activities for his son, he would take him as well. If they are going fishing, I don't know. I know we don't do fishing here. Fishing is, uh, in some other countries, fishing is for very rich people. In some other countries, fishing is not for very rich people. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep it that way. So if they are going fishing, he would go with him. If they are going to the park, everywhere, he tried to always take the neighbor's son on these uh, activities because he, had, he didn't have a father. So one time, I think they went fishing on a boat, like on a river, and he took him, and there was a big storm. There was a huge storm. There was a lot of water coming from upstream. The river was swelling. There was a lot more water than usual. The boat capsized. He, he did all he could to save these children. But he couldn't. He couldn't get them to, 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 to the shore, to dry ground. The more he tried, the more they were all going to die. And it quickly occurred to him that he had to take one at a time. He looked at his son. He looked at this other son. He thought, how will I face that widow if I come home with my son and has instead shared the lost husband? He made a decision. He would try to save the widow's son first. And then he would come back for his son. So as they were struggling, they got some sort of rocky thing. He told his son, son, Hold on here. Let me take your friend first. I'm coming for you. He took him to dry ground. By the time he came back, it was too late. His son had drowned. That's the love of God. That he gave his own son to save you and I when we're still sinners 
when we are without strength. You see, what was happening there is that both of these guys couldn't save themselves. They didn't have the skills to survive in that kind of flood. And he had to choose. He could have chosen his own son because he's a parent. That's the natural thing to do. Like, I'm so sorry, but I have to save my son. But he did the unnatural thing, save the neighbor's son first. That's the kind of love that God has for you and I. Do you understand? Let's pray. Everyone where you're seated, just stay seated. And let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for this message that we are loved. Even though we were not sons to you or daughters, yet you loved us and sacrificed your own to save us so we could become yours. So this afternoon we reflect on that as we think about the resurrection of Jesus. That in him we are adopted as sons, as daughters. So we thank you, we praise you. And so friends, even as everyone is praying, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you're like, up more, I'm that other neighbor's son who needs to be saved. I want to pray with you where you are. Just put your hand up so that I know you're there so that I pray with you. Even those who are online, just put it up straight where you are. There's nothing to be ashamed about the gift of life in Christ. Put it up if you've never given your life to Jesus. Because you can't save yourself. There is, no, there is nothing you can do that is good enough to save yourself. Only God can save you. I'm waiting for those hands. I'm waiting for that hand. There's someone here you know you need salvation. It is a gift. You don't work for it. You just have to accept. So put it up straight. Put up your hand straight. Thank you, my sister. I see your hand. Someone else. Just put it up where you are. We are going to pray. All right. Let's pray. Just pray this prayer after me and others. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me that I can be accepted that I can be received that I can be loved regardless I give my life to you take it and do something with it Amen Amen that is our salvation Amen so thanks so much for being here for this youth experience thank you Pastor Isaac for the message thank you TJ and Drusilla our hosts thank you our worship team and band the dancers who haven't I thanked everyone we have drinks right because today is Easter Banange. where are the drinks this side okay this side and that side Okay, whichever way you go, there will be drinks. Make sure you get a drink before you go home. We love you. Thank you for coming. Thank you, my sister, for receiving Christ. Uh, this is...
Pastor Ruth, she'll be talking to you to follow you up. All right. God bless you. So why don't we stand and I, 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 I pray for you the blessing. Next Sunday, you're going to bring someone. Now, how many of you like me, you feel, you feel you could dance better than you currently dance and you want to get into it? We have a, a, a dance, holiday dance program. Yeah? Hmm? So, holiday dance program, we are going to be here Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Saturday is Saturday morning, 10 o'clock. Tuesday and Thursday is what time? Afternoon. Hmm? No, afternoon, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Tuesday, 2 p.m. TJ, come. This is TJ, you'll find him here. 2 p.m. Tuesday. 2 p.m. Thursday, 10 a.m. Saturday. Are there drinks? There are drinks and popcorn. There are drinks and popcorn. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And you're sure if I come, I'm going to dance like Tracy? But of course, yeah. Okay. I got this. Awesome. So, when we come, where do we go? This is a big building with lots of spaces. Do we just come here in the auditorium? Youth auditorium. Youth auditorium is up. Fourth. You just keep going up the steps anyway. You'll hear the musical people dancing. So, please come. Join the the dance thing and then on Sunday we'll be featuring yeah, yeah. big time yeah. I feel it alright huh? that's we're good alright thank you father so friends may God bless you may he cause his face to shine on you and give you peace may you have a wonderful Easter and a wonderful holiday with no fighting or whatever but just joy peace and love in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, see you Sunday, 11.30. Remember to bring a friend or many friends. DJ Pius! for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.